Another week, another win for Michigan. It wasn't always pretty, and at times it was actually quite terrifying. But some big fourth down conversions and the clutchest of kicks from Jake Money Moody propels the Wolverines to a 19-17 win over Illinois. And now we are on to the big one. Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to 16 Saturdays. Nick Fogel here with my brother, Will. Will, how are we doing this afternoon? Nick, the pulse is racing. <laughs> are you starting to feel it? I got home really this whole week. I haven't even felt Thanksgiving. But then you, you get back to Williamstown. You start getting the hot cider out here. Dad's fiddling with the turkey. And it starts just that Pavlovian response. You know this game is coming. 72 hours to kick off. It's... It's a moment over here. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I haven't quite had that. We did have school today, but we got out early, and I've I've been transitioning all week. I I did wear red, white, and blue on Monday for for the boys over there at Cutter, but after that, no red. Uh, Should have done more of the xing out the the O's uh, for my students just to get them in the in the spirit. <laughs> but uh, O's a much more common letter than M, though. That'd be. That'd be sure. harder. True, but uh, but but could get could get them there. Um, well, I would say last week was scary. Illinois was scary. Maybe we should talk about that because definitely where our minds are right now is with the game in Columbus. I think that's and probably where Michigan's minds were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think everyone was thinking about Columbus. It is pretty. I mean, it was a very fun. Week 12, because it seems like all the big teams were not focused on the games that they were playing. <laughs> Very few of them have games as big as the one we're about to play coming up, too. So I'm not really sure what Tennessee was doing, for example. Yeah, um, no excuse for, for Tennessee. They would have had Vandy to get into the playoff, and that's it. They I mean, that's an in-state rival. That's an in-state rival, so maybe that's it. I don't, is rival a word that you would use for... Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Competitor? Uh, <laughs> yeah. In-state yeah, conference foe. <laughs> uh, so maybe we start with Illinois, and then we talk about, you know, the, the, the big boss that lies ahead of us on Saturday. Yeah. Well, first, Nick, I, I have to admit, I'm not even sure I've told you this, but so we had a, we had a baby shower during the game. And this was something where I decided I probably shouldn't be multitasking um, because I wouldn't be able to focus enough on, on the game, obviously, in that situation. So I went into the baby shower, but I was trying not to make a big deal out of the game because this is one day that really Becky has a pretty good claim to. And so I didn't ahead of time tell everybody I'm not watching the game. Don't tell me. I thought this many years into my relationship with Becky's family, that should be obvious. First thing her uncle Rick does is come up to me, put his hand on my shoulder. And literally I started to try to say, no, 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 I haven't seen it. And he said, thank God. And I was, <laughs> well, um, I got, the, I got the text from mom. So I watched the first quarter and then we had our big, big States cross country race for the, for the boys. Um, so I'm, I'm driving to the cross country race, listening on the radio, uh, by the way, John Jansen, Jason Avant, they do a great job 
with the Michigan broadcast. So that was actually fairly enjoyable listening on the radio until the quorum injury, in which case Kara's sleeping next to me. I hear the quorum injury, the fumble. I start swearing, you know, and you, you, at first it's quiet and, you know, it's like Kara's sleeping. It's been a long week trying to try to give her some rest. And then you're just like thinking about all the, all the consequences of that, of that injury. And you can hear on the radio them talking, this might be the last time we see Blake Corm on the field. And I'm just, you know, swearing, you're <laughs> getting ready to hit the horn, uh, get out of the car, just did a really bad place. And then uh, I, I'd called dad, asked him for, you know, any sort of, as, as though he's got inside the locker room information, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and then we see that that Corm does come out and, and at least get a carry. And that, that put my mind at least a little bit at ease to lock into my coaching responsibilities. But um, when I came back to watch the game after the race, mom texted few uh, to, to me and dad. So that felt like a pretty big tell. So I was watching that second half with a little bit lower heart rate than I, than I probably otherwise would have. Yeah. I mean, it's just we were sloppy. The team was sloppy. Um, this, this wasn't the game for us, but we got out of it with a W that's what matters. And what a performance. Are we stepping into good? Can we step into good? Cause I, I want to call it out. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, let's go to good. And, and for the folks at home, we'll do a quick Illinois recap and then we'll, and then we'll break and then we'll come back with what everyone wants. We'll, we'll, we'll preview Ohio state. All right. Well, we have to take a moment, uh, for the kicker because this is a game for Jake Moody. Four for four, hits the game winner. Check this out about his game winner. First game winner he's ever kicked in his life. And it's not only the game winner to send us 11-0 to Ohio State. It also, with that kick, he became the all-time leader in field goals for Michigan. That's a, a history dating back well over 120 years. And he becomes the single, ties the single season field goal kicking record. I mean, what what a day for that man. And also, I mean, it was not easy conditions to kick those field goals in. Wind was swirling, pressure is on, any one of those misses, and we have a very different feel heading into this weekend. Um, and he, he comes out, and, and it was very telling, the confidence that Harbaugh has in Moody, the fact that when you're down by four, you play for two field goals at the end with four minutes left. In the game. <laughs> you say our best chance here, because if you don't trust your field goal kicker, then it's like, well, it's not, even if you hit the first one, you're maybe not so sure about the second one. So he, he said, you know what? I trust my guy. He's going to make these two kicks uh, or he's going to make the first one. And then we get him into any sort of range. He'll, he'll, he'll be clutch. And, and he certainly was. So that I think without a doubt, Moody was the, was the top good. For this week. Yeah. I, I think number two, Nick, we gotta go Blake Corum half one. Um, I mean, this is a guy, he had two thirds of our offense in the first half of the game. Yeah, I I can't even quite bring myself to to go there. I I just felt like there was so little good here. The only thing that I, I say in the good with Yes, I, I give you he had some nice runs in the first half. That almost felt like, okay, yep, that's what Blake Corum does. The only thing that I, I put on par or, or close to on par with, with Blake, uh, or sorry, with Jake Moody is the clutch plays in the fourth quarter, and especially that fourth down to Isaiah Gash. Isaiah Gash had just dropped a ball, 
he's a walk-on. You come right back to him. You drop the number or, or drop a play put for, for this guy. Uh, McCarthy puts it on the spot. I feel like there were some clutch plays. Yes, the, the passing game did not look good. Yes, the offense had had its fair share of struggles. But the clutch plays when you needed them from McCarthy and from a couple of the other, the other folks coming through, um, you know, good teams have to get through games like this. And Michigan found a way. Well, Nick, talking about clutch plays, he didn't have a lot of snaps, but Mason Graham made the most of them. This guy is a freshman, and we don't win this game with or, or it's a very different game if he doesn't stop that fourth and one. He was disruptive. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I mean, there are a couple of these freshmen who uh, I think Brian talked about on MGO blog who are players now. It's not, you know, oh, well, they're flashing some things, so that's good. It puts your mind at ease a little bit for the future. It's like, no, these are these are guys who you need to show up on Saturday. Mason Graham is one of those guys who has become uh, a real stalwart on that defensive line. I don't think there's a massive drop-off. Now, Mozzie Smith is very good, so I don't want to compare Mason Graham today to Mozzie Smith today. But there's not the drop-off that we thought. We thought this was going to be you know, two players on the on the D tackle position, Jenkins and Smith, and it's really emerged into a a strength of the team that D tackle spot. You can go, you got five players that can that can really line it up there. Yeah, much much deeper, unfortunately, than the end spot, but we'll we'll get there. Nick, should we transition to the meh? Let's transition to the meh. Um, Will you want to start us off there? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to go uh, C.J. Stokes um, only because last week you watched these running backs and you said, wow, it, it just doesn't matter. Like maybe it's Corum or maybe it's the O-line. It's hard to say, but these other guys can do it too. This week it was pretty clear, no, a lot of that is Corum because when Corum isn't available, this running game slowed down in a hurry. Now, yes, you're playing a very good run D. But Corum had no problems with them in the first half, and and certainly we struggled after he, his departure. So, well, you're going a little more details. You're more of a details guy today. I'm a little bit more big picture here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one good that we didn't get to that I just want to—I I was looking over my notes here. We didn't—we didn't talk about winning. We didn't talk about winning, winning. Was great. Winning was great. It was also a great day in college football. Like yes. it, it, and it, it, it was one of those days that makes you think like maybe this isn't all a mirage. The whole parody in college football this year at being competitive, even Georgia barely gets by Kentucky, uh, sixteen to six. Ohio State is they're they're up three deep into the fourth quarter. They they they're even you know under a minute to go, only up one score against Maryland. Across the board, were you were you rooting for them, Nick? I was rooting for Ohio State in that game. Uh, I, it's hard for me to say rooting for. I was watching the game as an observer of the game. I, I and like yes, it's it's better for the rivalry for Ohio State to be undefeated than one loss to Maryland. But that doesn't really mean I was rooting for them. I would say. <laughs> um, but so I so in in the spirit of that big picture, which you know, good the the you know we won the day in college football was excellent as it's been pretty much all year. My meh category is if Illinois had won those previous two games, close losses to Michigan State and Purdue, this would have felt a lot different. 
Illinois is a pretty good football team. They would have come in ranked in probably the top 15. And everyone would be saying, wow, Michigan gets through another. They add another big win to their resume. And they did it without all these stars. Now here we're sort of thinking like, man, this is like the Ball State win in 2006. Like, oh, this portends something bad. I don't know. It's hard for me to say that when you're resting or, you know, injuries, obviously. But you're, you're sitting out you know, six or seven of your, your really core contributors. Yeah. I mean, that's true. The question is, I feel a lot better about that. If several of those guys are going to be back near a hundred percent, I think Schoonmaker likely will be. I don't know if we get a running back back who's, who's even close to a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to know. And it's hard to know what, like, what does percent mean really? Does that mean you don't make the cut as powerfully? Like you're not quite as fast? Well, I think it means in this Illinois game, it meant we saw Corum ran out of bounds uh, a few times rather than taking the contact and getting a couple extra yards. He may not do that against Ohio State, but then you may not get many reps out of him. Yeah, I mean, I, that was befuddling a little bit. I, I don't know. I mean, on that screen I pass. I going in. I, I think he was honestly hurt hurt coming into the game, at least banged up, right? It, almost impossible not to be this time of year with the usage that he's had. But don't you think, I mean, I don't know that he was running out of bounds because he was banged up. I, I mean, he might have been running out of bounds because the coaches told him, avoid contact at all, at all costs. Avoid, you know, extending runs because we need you next week. And that definitely seemed like the game plan uh, and, and the emphasis this week was built around Ohio State, not Illinois. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 so I, I would imagine everyone, you're right in the point that everyone is probably beat up this time of year. And everyone who has a chance to go is going to go against Ohio State. And I don't know how much like, okay, so you're banged up, but then you get going. How much does it really slow you down? Um, you know, Mike Morris or, or Schoonmaker, you get Edwards in there. Like how much does the injury can, can, you know, can you actually notice the injury when you get into a live environment? I don't know. Yeah. All right. I guess we'll see. I think I would notice it quite a lot. I'm not <laughs> on the field. <laughs> yeah. Nick, um, well, just before we go off that subject, cause it won't really play into the preview. Warmed my heart. I'm going to give you one more good. Warmed my heart to see Corum delivering turkeys earlier this week. That even, yeah. you know, he's he's grown into a into a big shot for sure. He hasn't left this behind. And even in a week when, you know, somebody else might say, look, I want to do this. I'm going to donate the money for it, but I'm not going to go out and, and hand deliver these turkeys myself because I need to be you know, in for treatment, making sure I get my leg better. I've got a shot at the Heisman and all sorts of, of draft implications. No, this this kind of acts of charity is part of who he is. And I like there was a, a line from his dad, which sounds very much like our dad, where he says he's a better kid than he is a football player. And I've seen nothing out of Blake Corum that doesn't indicate that that's true. He's, a, he's an easy guy to root for. There are a lot of guys in this team that are that are easy to root for. I, I, th- I mean, I think JJ has shown a, a level of maturity throughout, even before he got to Michigan, that is incredibly admirable. A lot of these guys have charities that they've set up with their NIL money. 
Um, it's, it's a pretty fun team to root for. And one more good now that we're just, you know, I think what we're doing here is as we're talking, we're starting to find some things that, you know, maybe pull some positives out of the game. Um, I loved at the end when they, they interview Harbaugh and you can imagine coaches at this point, you know, it's a, it's a pretty nerve wracking game. You escape with a victory. You you're moving on to your rival. You could imagine some coaches maybe not being in a great mood. I, I don't imagine Nick Saban would be in a very good mood after mm-hmm. a game like that. And Harbaugh is grinning ear to ear is pumped up for Jake Moody. And when they start asking him questions, he basically says like, let's get some guys over here. Let's get, let's get Moody over here. Let's get, let's get JJ over here. Like these are the guys that you need to talk to. And he's, he's done that repeatedly, but um, I think Harbaugh is having fun with this team. And, and, and really, I mean, it, it sort of adds, and we've been Harbaugh, Harbaugh supporters for a long time through thick and thin here uh, on 16 Saturdays. But uh, these are the moments that, that really stick out to me. Nick, I, I got to tell you, so as you know, speaking of hotshots, I am now also uh, a hotshot in my own way. And so I've had some... I don't know, exact- what, I don't know what you're referring to here. Is this, are we talking international businessman? Or are we- correct, correct. As an international businessman. So I now have, have had some sessions with executive coaches and all this wasteful stuff. Um, and I almost guarantee, I feel like Harbaugh got this advice from an executive coach. He was, they asked him, you know, what do you hate about your job? What would you change? How can we change a negative into a positive? And he probably said, I love the kids. We've heard him say that before. He loves coaching because he gets to be around people who don't have adult problems, right? Um, he loves the kids. He hates the media. And so if he can take the end of the game and turn what to him is the worst part of the day, talking to the media into a great part where he gets to see even more joy on the faces of these kids, that's a win-win. And I, I almost guarantee that that was advice he got specifically from a, from a coach of his own. Yeah. I mean, I would guess when he said, if he says, I hate the media, it's not the like cupcake questions he gets at the end of the game for the most part. Now, occasionally they'll ask a few that do, do probably, you know, rankle him a bit but for the most part it's, it's probably more the beat writers than the national tv folks who are just trying to get a, a nice happy quote at the end of the game but you, but you may be right i don't know that he hates that but it's an opportunity cost right that end of the game he can go be talking to players on the other team he can be watching his own players celebrate a victory giving a, a tired soundbite in front of a tv camera is just not what he wants to be doing in that moment you also saw him uh, pretty pretty actively, and I, I would guess that this was something that was discussed during the week, um, telling the, the players to go celebrate in the student section after, after the game. I think he's probably sick of hearing about the tunnel, and we sort of heard about it again this week, which honestly I think is probably a Brett Bielma. Like Bielma seemed like after the Michigan State thing, he was going to try to do something to like, you know, just make keep this a storyline. Um, Bielma seems like, I mean, he's just not my favorite guy, and I, and I don't. Maybe yeah. I'm talking out of turn here, like you know, make it up the, the this this sort of scandal. But it just it just sort of felt like his his comments after Michigan State, like Bielma, wasn't gonna just come in and, and and tell his guys to make this like a total non-issue. And then they have a little little dust up on the way, uh, you know, into the locker room at halftime. And I think Har- I think Harbaugh is just sick of hearing about the tunnel. Yes. I think that's very true. 
I think that's very true. But Nick, our 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 listeners are probably sick of hearing us digress. Do we want to do any, uh, or should we skip right over that because it's it's game week? I think we, we know. Have. We all know the uh, right? Well, we we know the uh, so we don't have to talk too much. The, the injuries, uh, the quorum play was one of the most scary plays. Listening to a play that I've ever had. <laughs> But even if you were watching it, that was probably one of the most scary plays uh, that, that you could experience. Um, the passing game was a problem. The pass rush was a problem. We'll talk about those when we get to Ohio State. Will, the one I wanted to just touch on quickly is scheduling. I don't know if you listen to Joel Klatt, uh, his podcast. I've been listening to a lot of golf football podcasts this week. But, <laughs> but Joel Klatt, uh, I think rightly, was sort of on on the case of the SEC powers for having this pretty big scheduling advantage where, where week 12, you see, you know, Alabama playing Austin P LSU playing UAB. And he was making the point that, you know, this is a, a massive advantage for these, these teams going into your, your big week to basically have a, a complete week off where no one's even watching. No one really cares. As long as you sort of take care of business, you can rest all your players and Michigan doesn't have that. Ohio State didn't have that. So I'm wondering if, and, and frankly, Tennessee didn't have that. Um, and I'm wondering if that should be standardized across the board. I actually don't hate the idea that week 12 becomes sort of a rest up week for everyone, but it feels like you need to go one way or the other. It, and you can't have, uh, you know, teams like Michigan now getting injured, you know, getting guys injured while teams like LSU and, and Alabama uh, get to, you know, have a week off. Well, I think the challenge is even bigger than that because arguably you could say, well, Ohio State doesn't have the week off either. They're the team we're playing. So as long as there's parity, you're fine. But that's not really how college football works. A loss in week one is very recoverable. A loss in week 11, you know, not to a top five team, you're not going to make the playoff, right? You're out of the conversation. And so I think that's the real damage is that, you get to the end of the year and it's just, you get to automatically move up if somebody ahead of you um, has a loss. And that's really the, the killer moment um, for any of us teams that are still playing teams with a pulse in week right. 11. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, you play a really physical game against a good defense in Illinois. And again, because they lost these two games coming in, it, it would have been a resume builder for Michigan. But when if, if Illinois had come in nine and one, instead they come in seven and three off of back to back close losses, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, the narrative is Michigan escapes, you know, against a, a bad Big Ten West team or a mediocre Big Ten West team, instead of, you know, Michigan wins a game without against a pretty good team without a number of their starters, the narrative is just very very different. I think maybe you know I think Joel Glad is right to point it out. And I think to, to some degree, like I would be fine with Michigan having a very easy game before the Ohio State game. I actually think it's better for the sport in some ways. Like he was making the case that it's, it's bad for the sport uh, to have these, these bad, you know, week 12 games. I, I somewhat disagree. What's bad for the sport is if Blake Corb doesn't play against Ohio State. That's true, but I do think there's a crescendo. You want November games to be games that really matter. Um, and you're you're locked into college football. The leaves are down. The rakes are back in the barn. 
it's time to settle in in front of the TV. And you don't want to be playing a cupcake at that time. So so I want week 12 to to mean something, but I think it should mean something across college football. Yeah. Then maybe we just we just standardize it and and that solves it to some degree, but it certainly does feel like as it is now Michigan was at a big disadvantage, and I and I think Ohio State too, playing a, t- a tough Maryland team uh, that no one gives them credit for, but Maryland's actually fairly decent. Um, well, before we move off Illinois, I was curious on your thoughts. Would you have wanted to go to this game? Because you texted afterwards, like something along the lines of, "Oh wow, we chose the wrong game to go to, go to that Maryland game." Thinking back on it, would you have actually wanted to be at that that Illinois game, or would that have just been sort of a miserable experience saved by a late moody field goal? It would have been a memorable experience, <laughs> um, but it is very fair that it did not look pleasant to be in the stands, um, as we could tell because many students opted to not be in the stands by the end of that game. Well, there. There were very few students there even at the beginning. I think most of the students probably went home for Thanksgiving break, would be my guess. That was sort of a poorly timed... Uh, the students were looking ahead to Ohio State as well, <laughs> I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that, that may be the case. Would you want to be there, Nick? I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't think it would have been the most fun. I think you would have had to have a mental shift at some point to like, all right, we just need to get out of this thing with the win. And, and and we need to not worry so much about like, okay, well, the passing game seems broken and we're not getting the pass rush. Just like, no, let's just lock in. All these plays are big. If you could mentally make that shift, then I think it would be fun. It would be sort of like that, you know, Washington game that we went to back in, in 03, where you escape with a win at the end. It didn't look pretty throughout, but you get a, a memorable last second win. Um but if you're sort of in the mindset of Ohio State, which I think a lot of us are, it would be hard to get over the the fears and trepidation that, that would have come from being at that game. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, Nick, let's take a break. It's behind us. What's ahead of us is a road to glory. Now let's talk about that when we get back. You're listening to 16 Saturdays. Welcome back to 16 Saturdays. Well, we are four days away from the game. And it's it honestly feels pretty pretty wild like that we're already here. It, it doesn't seem like it's been uh, 12 weeks that we've made it to this point. 
but it does feel kind of like you know those video games where you're you're building different levels, you're passing different levels. This year we really haven't faced too many of those minor bosses. It's been like you progress through a relatively easy uh, set of levels, and now all of a sudden you get thrown into the the major big boss, and that comes on Saturday in the form of Ohio State in Columbus. How are you feeling four days out? I am not, I'm not feeling great. I'm not feeling great. So this is sort of like, you know, in Mario, if we're going to do this big boss thing, you, you get the level up when you get the mushroom and then you get the, uh, the flower and you get to fire fireballs. I think we were that fireball firing Mario. Uh, wow, this is this deep. Point. I have no. Are you talking about Mario Kart? Like, what what is happening here? No, this is, this is original Mario on the Nintendo, the N- NSN. Wow. You got I think we need a more accessible more. analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we were ready. We were all leveled up for that big boss, and then we <laughs> fell off a cliff when Blake Corum got injured this past weekend. Um, and it, be, it makes it a lot harder to see your way past this boss. Um, yeah. the game is set up. Some things are good, right? Forecast is calling for rain. I think Michigan wins a ground game against Ohio state. They've got talent there too. It's not a, a landslide, but I think we win that game, but going to the shoe and now not being confident that you've got really your top three producers on the offense. Um, at the skill positions when it comes to Schoonmaker, Edwards, and Corum. That's a scary proposition. Yeah, it is It is a scary proposition. I would. The only counter I would have to that is, think back over the last decade. When were you confident going into the game? I mean, but that's kind of the point. <laughs> no, but I, I don't think that is the point. Because think back over the last decade. Yes, we've only won one of those games. Have we been in those games? We have, for the most part. There's been a few that, you know, the the um, 2015 with Jake Rudock. We were still in that even into the second half, but we sort of, you know, got blown out in the second half. We got blown out a little bit um, in the Shea Patterson, you know, 2018 game. But outside of that, I mean, Michigan has shown up time and time again in this rivalry. And I think there's good reason to think that the Michigan offense of the last several weeks is looks nothing like what we see on Saturday. So Nick, let's let's talk about that because I agree with you. I don't think we've been showing what we have. What do you think is under the hood? Like what's the good case? What are you looking to see? And it, we're not going to say things like a downfield passing game that suddenly works and we've been intentionally <laughs> dropping balls, right? Or Corum comes back and he's actually full strength and that was just a a myth. But what do you think is under the hood that's going to give Ohio State trouble from this offense? I think I think there is a lot in the offense that will attack attack the edges and it will be a lot faster moving. I think there's going to be a lot of RPOs that JJ was good at early in the year and then we sort of put on a shelf. There was a lot of things that we brought into that Penn State game, which was really the only other game on the schedule that you would have said like, okay, you really need to show something in this game. The offense was dominant. We ran for 400 plus yards in that game. So I think there's, I think there's uh, different things that they're going to do 
to test the edges that they didn't do as much of, frankly, in this Illinois game that maybe they could have done a, done a bit more, more sweeps, more reverses, things like that. We haven't seen any of the, think about back to last year in all the big games, we saw really creative play designs with um, uh, flea flickers and, and, you know, pitching the ball back and Edwards throwing passes and those things generally worked pretty well. Now, they haven't been a part of the offense. And I think part of the reason they haven't been a part of the offense is because you could just line it up and run the ball this year. I don't think that means that when Michigan's in practice, they're just lining up and running the ball. I think they're working on all these types of things. And again, we've got a track record of Jim Harbaugh not showing things, being fairly vanilla, and then coming out with these you know awesome game offensive game plans. Uh, against Ohio State. So I think this year it's 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 foolish to think that in a year where he hasn't had to prepare as much for the opponents at hand, that it, that, that it would be any different going into Saturday. Yeah, I think the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause is when you get to that fourth quarter of the Illinois game, you get down to it, do you think you would have pulled out a few more of those plays? Because if you're practicing them enough that they're going to be ready for this week, You'd think they might be ready in that game. But I, I hope you're right. Now, Nick, one thing you said was RPOs, I completely agree. Stretching horizontally, which I think we'll do. We have to be careful with that because Ohio State's a speed team too, especially on defense. So the more we're running east-west, the more time they they have to kind of throw themselves to the ball. Do you think we stretch them north-south? Is there yeah. some downfield element that comes out? Absolutely. I think we, we have seen very little play action this year. And generally, when we see play action, it's been working. I think there's no doubt we're going to throw you know, some play action, deep, deep shots in this game, if only because we know we need to keep the, you know, the box a little bit light. And so I, I would be shocked if there are not you know, you know, deep, deep routes here. And let's, you know, yes, JJ has missed on a lot of the, the deep, the deep shots and the, the receivers have dropped some stuff, but it's the narrative around this passing game looks completely different. If Andre Anthony makes, makes that catch, if there are, you know, a couple, a couple bounces here and there, um, you know, the, the past couple weeks, it's not like those downfield shots have been completely off. It's not so out of the, and yes, I'm not saying that the passing games looked good. I'm not saying I'm not worried about the passing game, but I'm saying it's not beyond the realm of possibility that you go into that game on, on Saturday, all the things that you've been practicing start start coming out, and they look a little bit sharper. Yeah. And it's not yeah. as though we're going up against the world's greatest defense in Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's got a lot of players. They're, they're talented. They're fast. But they don't have – I mean, it's not Georgia of last year. So I think they're, you know, Ohio State has their own questions. They've got their own demons that they're thinking about. If I'm a if I'm a Ohio State fan right now, I'm thinking this is the test. We saw last year that we were not tough enough to hang with Michigan for four quarters on defense. We brought in a new coordinator. We we try to fix the line. There's still some questions there. We got outgained three of the last four weeks, including by Northwestern. If you're Ohio State, if you're an Ohio State fan, I think there's a little bit of like fear in your mind, especially if you see number two out there warming up on Saturday. Yeah, I think whenever you have Blake Corum in the game, you will see eight-man boxes, and Ohio State will be daring Michigan to beat them through the air. And we've just got to do it a, a couple of times. 
Yeah. Uh, I think, by the way, I'm, I'm going to make a prediction. My trick play prediction is a reverse pass. That's how this happens. That's how from we get From Bell or, or Edwards? Well, it's probably from Bell because I think Edwards has a, a hurt hand. So I'm not really sure that he's going to be ready to do that. Yeah. Um, but I think you're going to see a, re- a reverse pass maybe to a tight end or to Kojo. Um, and there's going to be some open running room in front of him. How much do you think we see McCarthy's legs? A lot. A lot. Yeah, I think I, so too. I think I would be surprised and disappointed if there are any fewer than, you know, eight times in the game, maybe it's 10, where we say, that was a nice, that was a well-designed play. Now, yeah. maybe the boys don't execute it, but I, I have faith in this coaching staff that they are, they have been working uh, on figuring out, you know, what, what sort of things are going to work. There's enough pieces there, even if you don't have a 100% Edwards and a 100% quorum uh, to, to move the, the football. How long, final, final question for you on the offense, Nick, how long would you be willing to have uh, strained hamstrings and quads, let's say, if you could let Corum be a hundred percent for Saturday, like some sort of transfer, uh, a transplant. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't take, know if my hamstrings are helping out. He has. Oh man, uh, probably a while. Probably a while. I, I would give yeah. Blake Corum. I mean, I'm I'm about to have a kid, so I'm not going to be outside that much anyway. I think I would take that at least through January. Yeah. Yeah, the bigger question though, like, if, if, would you give Donovan Edwards your hands? Because you gotta, you know, be holding the baby. I don't know if you if you got. I don't think I can. I don't think I can do that. And I think Corum can can get us there. Uh, so <laughs> I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with Corum. Uh, I'm gonna say that your hamstrings are not helping out Blake Corum a whole lot, <laughs> even, <laughs> if we, even if we get that transplant. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're we're similarly we're similar height, so we've got that That's going true. for us. That's true. Um, should we should we swing over to the defensive side of the ball? Let's swing let's swing to the defense. Um, and this is an area where Ohio State is banged up, so they're missing Jackson Smith. They but most likely he's been out since week one. Mayan Williams missed, didn't even travel to Maryland. Trevion Henderson played, didn't play well, got pulled. Uh, so they're they're down their top two running backs, their top wide receiver from last year. Right guard Matt Jones gets hurt in the game. That didn't look great. So they're they're definitely pretty banged up. I would say if you get into like a two deep game against Ohio State, they're probably going to win. And, and that's <laughs> like it's not mm-hmm. like you know okay yes their depth is better than ours. Um, but I think as we as we sort of preview here this this offensive side. It is worth bringing up that that Ohio State uh, likely is not 100% full strength. What are you most worried about when you look at the matchups against this Ohio State deep or offense? I mean, I think it's it's I think it's pretty simple. CJ Stroud, if he has time, is spooky accurate and he's got even without Smith Jigba two of the best wide receivers in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably, you know, if not, he's in the conversation for the best and you know top top three. If if he's not number one, uh, so they've got still a ridiculous amount of talent. 
And if you can't get pressure on Stroud, which we were able to generate last year via heroic performances from mostly from <laughs> Hutchinson, but also from Ajabo, uh, you're in trouble. I think if you don't have pressure on the quarterback, you're in trouble. And uh, it's it's scary with Mike Morris being where he is and with the rest of the defense not really generating even even blitz pressure much last week. Yeah. Do you do you play more Ayabioki and some of your just like top physical players hoping that they can get through? I mean, I see a lot of blitzing out of Colson in this game, just trying to see like where do you have real speed? Where can you potentially get get through and, and rattle Stroud? I mean, if it was more part of our game plan, I would think more I would think a little bit about going with a five two. Um mm-hmm. so you can not because you also have to worry about Stroud's legs too. So you can't be, you know, you the you worry a bit a bit about someone like Oki. Is he going to get pushed off the ball? Can he hold up in the run game? And then if he goes for the pass rush, does he get you know sort of pushed out of his lane? And then you open up for Stroud. Um, I don't think you want to abandon what you do totally uh, in order to you know generate that rush from the line. But I do think you're right. You're going to have to see the linebackers playing a role. Uh, with blitzing, they're going to have to keep some spies on Stroud because, again, he can move. He, he is a is a pretty capable runner. Uh, but, yeah, if, if it's in the playbook, I would think about putting Mason Graham out there with Jenkins and Smith and trying to get some push up the middle. That that helps, obviously, with the run game. And I, I would sort of say, like, hey, look, we've got good cornerbacks. Maybe haven't had their best year of all time, but we know they're they're good and they they showed they can hang with those guys last year. Let's see if we can get some pass rush and, and, you know, don't leave them on an island forever, but leave them on an island for, for a little bit um, and see if we, you know, again, we're probably going to get burned a few times, but you need to make Ohio State earn it. Yeah, I think you're better putting a, a stopwatch on those wide receivers than putting a safety over top. Yeah. Um, we just, those guys are good enough. They'll get, they'll get open even in double coverage. Um, where the one who's not in double coverage will get open uh, if you give him enough time. And Stroud will make that throw. Right. And Stroud, I mean, we should say, I think he's got a bit of a bad rap for being uh, flappable under pressure. He still played pretty well in the game last year. Like that offense still played pretty well, and he was getting hit all the time. Uh, Well, I'm pretty sure he had cholera or (laughs) Ebola. Uh, I think I read that on the Ohio State blogs. Yeah. But, I mean, there is definitely a difference between, and as there would be with any quarterback, between a, you know, a nice pocket for C.J. Stroud to step into and him starting to, you know, you speed that clock up a little bit and all of a sudden uh, you know, things, things get a little hairy. My, my big concern, Nick, outside of the, the ordinary that we're, we're very aware of, Stroud's legs and, and Stroud through, through the air to these top receivers, is actually the running backs coming out of the backfield. Ohio State brings in very athletic, very fast running backs. And where they've had success with us in past years is when they can get that running back matched up against a Jalen Harrell, let's say, or against a linebacker, that's a win for them. Um, and I'm worried about that this this week, especially if we're bringing other pressure 
you know, you get to that second level and Henderson catches the ball, he's only got a safety to beat. Um, that's where you could see a, a really big play develop. I, I do think, you know, one of the things that uh, McDonald did a nice job of last year in the game was forcing Ohio State to earn it every play. So, you know, yes, okay, great play. You pick up 15, 20 yards. You don't pick up 60. And I think that's yeah. sort of a key is, is how do you limit them from really breaking it out, which, we, which we've seen them do in the past. Um, you know, how do, how do you sort of force them to earn it every play and march down the field as opposed to getting these, you know, these big chunks. All right, Nick. Well, we have a lot more to talk about when it comes to Ohio State, but I think we should do that with 40s because um, I'm getting a little parched here uh, on game day morning itself. So any of you who want to join us for that, we'd love to have you to be a live pod Email us for, for details. We'll also be posting it to social media, but email fogel.will, F-O-G-E-L dot W-I-L-L at gmail.com. If you want the link to the live pod, we'll also be sending out information to all those uh, on how you can call in and participate in the greatest pod known to the greatest game. Um, but with I that, like that. I, I got to say, Will. Yeah. I got to say, I do love the live pod. I think that you know, it's <laughs> becoming a bit of a tradition here at 16 Saturdays. You start your day on a high note, even on a you know a day that really I would say is probably 70% chance to end on a low note. <laughs> but, uh, but here you, you start out, Hope Springs Eternal, Saturday morning, the biggest, the biggest game of the year. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. But Nick, before that, should we cover the playoff picture and then finish off with with Pickham? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it quickly. Let's kind of get the rooting interest out there for the people this weekend. The games obviously start on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, so uh, a lot to think about. Well, I think that it's pretty simple. You, you know, Georgia is in whether they win or lose, and so you're definitely rooting for them to win, and that would knock out LSU. So that's the SEC championship. That'll be next week. You're rooting for LSU to get a loss. It's either going to come from Georgia or from maybe Texas A&M this weekend. You know, that feels a bit like a stretch. Um, <laughs> anything to add there in the SEC picture? No. I'm, I would just also root against Alabama just because it's more fun. It is more fun. It does also feel like there are people out there who have not written Bama off as making it in as a two-loss team, and that would be – a travesty. A travesty. It's not not a good two loss team. This is a two loss team that that very easily could be a four loss team. Yeah, I th- I do think the Tennessee loss really hurts them as well because they, they can't really get in over Tennessee. I would think, or it'd be hard to get them in over Tennessee. And Tennessee's now definitely eliminated. So yeah, um, yeah, that that one hurts them. Uh, obviously, the Michigan Ohio State winner. Uh, I, I would say they're in, even if they lost the Big Ten championship. That that. Uh, the winner of that game is is you know punching their ticket. Uh, so if we were to lose that, now you're looking at TCU, USC, and potentially Clemson. Will any of those? You know, I don't I don't know if you think we get in over a one loss Clemson if if we were to lose. Uh, but what are we thinking about TCU and USC? Yeah, I think we should get in over a one loss Clemson. Um, we wouldn't get in over a one loss. USC. So we need them to lose either to Notre Dame or in their 
Pac-12 title game. Good news is that's that's quite likely. They're probably 30% chance to, to go through those two games undefeated. And then TCU, I think we go in over them if they lose their title game. Um, I don't think we go over a one loss. This weekend, I think you still root against them against Iowa State. But I think TCU, will. they make the title game either way. And if they win that Big 12 title, I think they're in over Michigan as, as two one-loss teams with their wins will be just as good as ours. Yeah, that's. I think that's probably right. So we need a TCU loss in the Big 12 title game, a USC loss at some point. And I would like just for good measure, let's just get a Clemson loss maybe this weekend to South Carolina. Um, we'll see if the, the Gamecocks can become the, the spoiler makers. Um, of 2022. Spencer Rattler for Heisman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if he's played himself back into the draft with some of these these performances. Um, Will Pickham last week wasn't our finest hour. Uh, we end up tied at one, uh, what is it? One, two, and one each. I get the Baylor, uh, Baylor over TCU. You get the USC over UCLA. We push on Oregon, Utah, and then we both uh, got Tennessee and Michigan wrong. Yeah, I think that might be one three and one. Unfortunately, you're but... right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so we both we both lose. Let's see if we can do a little bit better this week. What do we got? So let's start it off with football. Is that how it's pronounced? Go football. <laughs> World Cup action uh, coming to you on Friday. Little patriotic spirit, USA versus England. Huge game in the group. Uh, England is the favorite. The spread in this one is is minus point uh, five. So we've got England. Basically, if, if England wins, uh, you know that they're the favorite. But a draw goes to the US. Who you got there? I'm gonna take the boys in red, white, and blue. I uh, think they both go red, white, blue there. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't hoping you wouldn't pick up on that. <laughs> Let's get a little more detail. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with the US in this game. I, I think they'll likely be playing for a draw, um, given their situation with Wales now needing the goal differential win. Um, but I think the the USA has the the strength to pull it out. Really played a great first half against Wales, just couldn't couldn't put together a whole game. I'm going USA as well. I'm less optimistic than you. I didn't think we looked like we had great fitness in that one, and, and England looked really good against Iran. But you gotta, you know, again, hope springs eternal. Uh, let's let's pull for the boys. This would be a big one. Even you pull out a draw here, that's a that's a big one for the U.S. Um, we'll also stick it outside of college football for a minute. The game on Thursday to kick off Thanksgiving weekend, Buffalo Bills at Detroit Lions. Do the Lions pull off the massive upset? The Bills are a nine and a half point favorite. I mean, the Lions definitely don't pull off the upset because if there's (laughs) one thing I know about Thanksgiving, it's that the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. Um, The money, the the line, I don't know. Um, So... I'll go with Detroit against the spread, um, but I'll give you all the money in the world you want that Buffalo is going to win this game. <laughs> I think that's probably right. Although, hey, folks would have said that Argentina was going to beat Saudi Arabia. Look where we are. 
Not as sure a thing as Detroit losing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the, the Lions as well, mostly just because you know you got you got to root for the whole team. So, um, well, flipping back to our sport here, uh, the Egg Bowl also on Thanksgiving Day, Mississippi State at Ole Miss. Lots of rumors swirling around that Lane Kiffin might not be in Oxford much longer. Does he get a win on potentially his last game with the Rebels? Uh, yes, I think he does. I'm picking Ole Miss in this one at home, finishing out strong. All right, we are starting three three in a row, all the same here. I I, I kind of just feel like I can write the the headline for Friday. You know, it's like the send off. I don't think there's any chance that he's back at Ole Miss next year. Um, I think he's I think he's probably in in at Auburn, but I do think that they, you know they do enough to refocus and get the win over Mississippi State this week. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State, lots of implications. The Pac-12, Oregon is definitely in the driver's seat, but Washington could sneak into the championship game. Utah could sneak into the championship game. Oregon can take care of all of that by winning at Corvallis. Can they do it? Three-point favorite. How healthy is Bo Nix now? Bo Nix, I think, is still a little banged up, but he definitely did play last week um, in, in a victory. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Oregon. This is an impressive offense. Yet to be seen how much defense there, there really is in this conference, but I'm taking Oregon in this one. I'm going to go with Oregon State to pull the upset here in Corvallis. They're playing for their season right here, and Oregon State is a pretty legit football team. When you go back and sort of look at it, they almost beat USC. I think they're they're a tough out. You get a banged-up Bo Nix, maybe Oregon – Looking, a, looking ahead a little bit towards that Pac-12 championship game, maybe an outside shot at a playoff berth. I like Oregon State um, to, to pull the upset. Interesting. Interesting. Well, the game, the game with most interest for us out in the Pac-12, Notre Dame at USC. Nick, this is a five-and-a-half-point line for USC. Where are you going? I'm going to go with Notre Dame here. I think US, USC is obviously a great offense. They got up for the game against UCLA. Caleb Williams is a special talent and probably, if they win this game, is going to win the Heisman Trophy. But I think Notre Dame's been ascending. I think they've been they've been surging here. And they come in, the USC fans a little cocky, maybe, maybe you know, a little bit hungover from the Thanksgiving feast. I go with Notre Dame to get it done on the road. Yeah, I like this pick. I think Notre Dame really doesn't have a lot of pressure on them as a team, but they have gelled and they do have some momentum at their backs. I think this is a strong unit that they've built. I'm going with Notre Dame as well to win, not just to cover. Now, Will, is that good for us? Uh, you know, as Michigan fans, should we be rooting for that that ND resurgence? It does feel like it. You know, early on there was a little bit of question mark about Marcus Freeman. He's kind of got it rolling. Good for us, unfortunately. I think it's good for the sport, especially when Michigan plays Notre Dame on a regular basis. I like having Notre Dame be good, but I don't think we're playing them again until 2030 or 2029. And in that case, this is just another recruiting powerhouse that we have to contend with in the Midwest. Uh, Will South Carolina at Clemson, the Gamecocks coming off of the upset of the year to some degree as they just destroy Tennessee. Um, 
They take on Clemson now. This would be a win that would really help kind of sure things up for, you know, just getting rid of Clemson. Get rid of that ACC. They've sort of been lingering around. Clemson's a 14-and-a-half-point favorite at home, but do you think the Gamecocks got any any magic left? No, this is a big line, which is the only thing that gives me pause, but I'm still going to pick Clemson. I don't think that South Carolina has the strength in the trenches to compete with this Clemson team, and it, they just caught Tennessee on an off day. I'm going to go with South Carolina. I think that you know there's, there's a little something there. They've shown more than just that one game. And I, I'm still not sold on Clemson. I, don't, I just don't know that Clemson is is that team this year that comes in and pummels you know pummels South Carolina. Fourteen and a half is a big number. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to go with South Carolina. Are there any other games going on? You know, there's the one that uh, that has been keeping me up. I'll be honest. Like you get to this week, I don't know if you have this, but you sort of. You're having like dreams about the game. You wake up, you're thinking about the game. Uh, you're tossing and turning a little bit, having a hard time falling asleep. I don't know if, you, if you've had that this week. I'm starting to, I feel like I'm getting to know some of the profiles on the MGO board. That's how <laughs> obsessive I've become. Like, ah, he's always an alarmist. I'm not going to worry about him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think there's, you know, I'm a history teacher. I think there's a good you know, media literacy, primary source lesson built into the whole, you know, what is Blake Corb's status going to be? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, well, the big one on Saturday, Michigan at Michigan State, undefeated, both teams undefeated for only the second time in history. Ohio State's a seven and a half point favorite in this one. I don't know if the, the you sort of throw the lines out. Who's going to win the game on Saturday? Michigan, Ohio State. I got to go. I got to go with Michigan. I got to go with Michigan. I think the rain is going to help, uh, but I think this team has more heart and they are more physical and will be able to impose that will on this Ohio State team. Uh, It's going to be one for the ages. I've got Michigan. Well, remind me, how many days has it been? Since Ohio State beat Michigan, has it been more? Has it been more than a thousand? It's been more than a thousand. I'm thinking about this, Nick. In between, I'm pretty sure there there was a game that Michigan won, maybe by the score of forty two to twenty seven. Is that right? That does that rings some bells. That rings some bells. I might have to watch that. Maybe tonight. Just you know, oh, we should do that. Maybe that will help me sleep. Yeah, yeah. But no, it is. Look, it is one thousand eighty-seven days since Ohio State has beat Michigan. One thousand eighty-nine days. Excuse me. The number just keeps going up. Just keeps going up. Look at that. And I think it's going to keep going up for another year. Let's go blue. Let's get the boys healthy. Let's give some rings to the to the training staff. If we can bring home that Big Ten title, uh, the doctors there. Uh, I'm nervous as I'm nervous as hell. But uh, you know, after last year, there is some there is some optimism here. There is some hope. Uh, we'll talk more about the game on Saturday. Preview more about the game. We'll probably be in a little bit more of a nervous state at that point. Um, but 
I, I hope everyone can can enjoy the Thanksgiving before we get fully locked in. Uh, yeah, we're great grateful for the season that we've had and the season that we've shared with all of you. So if you're you're listening to this point nearly an hour into the show, um, thanks for being with us all year. Um, it's meant a lot, and no matter how much we win by this weekend. Um, it it will have been a, a great season to to share and go down in, in the annals of Michigan history. Amen. So well, Nick, any final thoughts here? Well, we're we're here at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't think podcasts were a thing the last time these two teams met undefeated when I was a wee college junior um, back in 2006. You were in high school, probably coming off of a state championship run of your own. And here we are. We'll be together for the game. We'll be together for a World Cup game where we'll relive the Revolutionary War uh, the day before. There's snow up at Prospect and there's hot cider uh, on the oven. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Nobody. Go blue. Go blue. Up at eight, all the pretty girls said I'm going to LA. 